Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. All right, we've made it to the afternoon of day two at the Northeast Cannabis Business Summit here in Boston. And um, I'm catching up now with Cindy Sovine from Sovine Consulting. Uh, She spoke yesterday on a panel about social consumption. And she's from Denver, Colorado, which that city also has been really trying to get the social consumption thing off the ground uh, with some bumps along the way. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, As we reflect on the past and into the future, NCIA was founded in 2010, 10 years ago. A lot's happened. Um, Some of us are old school activists from the movement. Some people just jumped in the industry in the last few years or even more recently than that. Um, So getting perspectives from various individuals as we sit here today has been really interesting. So in 2010, I'm curious, where were you and what were you doing? Were you part of the cannabis movement at all? Could you have predicted where we would be today? Thank you for the question. So I've I've been a professional lobbyist for 22 years. And 10 years ago, I was right in the middle of the biopharmaceutical industry. And I was creating the laws at a state and local and uh, federal level for them. So I guess you could say I was on the other side because I was pushing policies that kept cannabis in prohibition. I was at the time doing what I thought was good, you know, making sure we were expanding health insurance and prescription Mm -hmm. drugs and access to coverage and wellness services and all of that, while really, I think, sort of turning a blind eye to the reality that these companies were also spending millions of dollars to keep cannabis in prohibition in elections and in things they were doing because um, hospitals and pharmaceutical companies don't make money off of people who are at home managing their condition with a plant. So I was on the other side, I guess, 10 years ago. When was the turning point for you? Yeah, my dad's journey with lymphatic cancer in 2015. He was first diagnosed in 2012, and I was really put in a position to watch what that status quo looked like that I had helped build and protect in that industry for someone that was sick and dying. And then what happened with marijuana and cannabis, and in the end, what really ultimately helped him ease his end-of-life transition. But... Um, not before watching a, his tumor on his neck shrink from the size of a, a softball down to the size of a golf ball just from cannabis alone. It was really life-changing. So after that, I, um, he, he, he did pass away, and I let go of everything, um, completely started over, walked into the cannabis space and was like, I'm here. People wow. were like, yeah, so what? Who are you? you know? But I wrote the playbook for the other side, so I know how we're at, and I've been picking up a shovel and help digging out ever since. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing your personal story and and, and that perspective as well, for sure. Um, So as we um, march into the future here with, uh, you know, about a dozen adult use 
cannabis states in the mm -hmm. country, including Massachusetts here, and um, several more medical programs mm -hmm. ranging, depending on, some are very limited, what they offer, but um, there's the, the future's bright, but we're cautiously optimistic, is how I like to put it. Um, do you have any predictions for where we're going to be 10 years from now in the year 2030, knowing that it's hard to predict where we're going to be a week from now. I get that. But any thoughts on what the industry will look like 10 yeah, years from now? Absolutely. I mean, I have, from the moment I stepped into this industry, thought that social consumption is the quickest path to normalization. And from that standpoint, have really worked to bring in policies as these states go online that address consumption in the ability to do it so that when people are there to be able to legally consume cannabis together and not be afraid they're going to go to jail or be ticketed or fined or lose their children because that's a or real thing or their housing yeah. or whatever, mm -hmm. the brilliant things it. can happen in our society. So, you know, I honestly think that the dispensary model is becoming more and more obsolete. As more states come online, they're going to want to look to how do they diversify their models and getting into consumption and delivery where there are other opportunities to really build out a more horizontally integrated business that's, that, that now has a, a more well-rounded offering I think that's where it's going with these new licenses, ultimately. You know, when you think about the dispensary model, it's a lot like the liquor store. So then what happens to the bars and the taverns? What do you do after that product? We've just ignored that conversation and allowed people to be ticketed, thrown in jail, and lose their children over this. So that's really what I see the next 10 years coming into, this being more of a lifestyle change, a culture change, um, us really bringing cannabis experiences, music festivals, you know, consumption events where they're truly out in the open and they're combined with sales just like you would see at a concert venue or anything else. And so that's where I see this industry going. Hospitality is really where I think the future is at. It's the final frontier when you start thinking about hotels and restaurants and, and all of these places that simply want to provide cannabis as an overlay of the service that they already have. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in Denver, yeah, it's, we, we've seen some really interesting ways of working around the existing laws. Mm -hmm. I've seen party buses mm -hmm. show up that allow guests of a party to mm -hmm. go onto the bus and consume and then come back off. And um, we've really had some hiccups. I, I remember I was at the um, the election night watch party watching Yes on 300 pass. Mm -hmm. That was an interesting night with some ups and downs mm -hmm. for me personally, but <laughs> um, but then the rollout of Yes on 300 um, ha had some hiccups to say the least. Do you have any updates on sort of where the current laws are and how we're working through that or, you know, some of the, the failures or successes? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Denver tanked that initiative. They really yeah. did not want to see any kind of expansion of any kind. And they stuck their heads in the sand and said they didn't have direction from the state around open and public and a definition for such because it was Womp. embedded in our constitution. Womp. So I passed a law that said, here's your definition. <laughs> and these licenses now exist. And uh -huh. so now they're local and they're up to the local level. And we're going back into Denver without any excuses left for them to hide behind. And we're going to see what happens, you know. Sometimes you have to dance with the devil to get the party started. So our goal is to have cannabis-friendly Airbnbs and, and beds and breakfasts and spas and music um, venues. Music venues. And 
So do you see these being locations that don't serve alcohol? This is the biggest question. Can you be in a place where you are consuming cannabis and your friend is having a glass of wine, or is that too far off? No, it's not too far off. We're just probably more like five years out. We have to start with getting these consumption places started first. People can't get their head around alcohol and dual consumption. But as we have to flesh these things out and look at issues like the reality that monitoring intoxication is monitoring intoxication. So whether you're on alcohol or cannabis or LSD or or cocaine or everything in between, (laughs) my job when you're in in my facility is to monitor you for intoxication. Yeah. To make sure that you're safe and able to go home and to take intervention measures if you're not. And that's really what it comes down to. And ultimately, we're going to get there. You know, like in Denver, the one thing we were in, in the state, they were saying, hey, we need to close these licenses down at midnight. And I was like, what is, what is your goal there? Well, we don't want people consuming cannabis and alcohol. And I'm like, okay, so you want them to leave my shop at midnight and then go to the only place left open at that time, which are the bars that stay open until 2 a.m. How is that going to prevent dual consumption? Isn't that actually like the opposite of what you're doing? So then we were then able to expand the hours to match that of alcohol to keep them to 2 a.m. So slowly but surely, then it's like, okay, well, you're going to have this dispensary, right, or this consumption lounge right here and this alcohol establishment right next door, and they just have to leave their joint and go over and pick up their drink, and that's actually perfectly legal, too. So, you know, as we have to get through these issues and they see the sky didn't fall, we'll get there with the alcohol side, but we have to start and meet people where they're at with the consumption side. Dancing around the logic, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that update. It's really fascinating. And um, social consumption is something that will continue to be a prevalent issue as we continue to roll out these laws. So thanks for your work on that as well. Yeah. Thanks for all NCIA is doing to help us lead the way and the charge on all of these issues. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for coming to the conference. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.